and welcome to the second episode of Get Up Speak Up, the brand new sports debate podcast. Uh, today's episode is going to be a fun one, as I have company in the studio for the first time today. I'm joined by guest and Stockport County fan, my guy, Sonny Roy. Thanks for coming on, Sonny. Thank you for having me. No, of course. Um, today we're going to talk a bit about what it's like to be a fan of a lower league club um, and compare the English Football League's model with the NFL model, which is an interesting conversation Um, And we're then going to dip a bit into the NBA and discuss where the injury-riddled Golden State Warriors turn next. Big problems in the Bay Area right now. Um, And then we'll round off the podcast with a round-up of the so-called top six in the Prem um, and where they're at and where their aspirations should be at this point. So it will be a good episode. Stand by for that at the end. Um, So, Sonny, you're a Stockport County fan. Um, listeners may have been able to tell just there that <laughs> there is no northern accent to accompany that allegiance. Um, can you just tell us a bit about why you are a Stockport County fan and a bit about their history up and down the leagues? Yeah, of course. Uh, I was born in London, but I'm actually the first generation of my family to be born in London. Right. So, yeah. mum, grandma, granddad, all sport. Well, they're all from Stockport anyway. And with Stockport as a club, the kind of tradition we have is. Like one of our phrases is the scarf my father wore so you're meant to support the club that your dad wore and he's meant to wear to matches the scarf that my granddad his dad would have got him so it's Love quite that. uh yeah it's like a family traditional club yeah and although that's kind of been lost somewhat over the last probably 10 or 15 years yeah for me it's still a uh, a club that's in line with my family and yeah the, the scarf your father won that's what I'm gonna have to write down for all yeah. the London-based Arsenal fans that grill <laughs> me about being a Man United fan yeah. in London because my dad sports yeah, United the scarf, your father, the scarf the father you wore you hear that Arsenal fan the scarf <laughs> your father wore excellent um I just want to ask you about that because um in a time we're in a time right now where social media seems to uh, make supporting some of the glamour teams very attractive and you know a lot of people worried about you know those nice signings and spending a lot of money um what's it like supporting a team um where there's none of that the pitches are shocking the quality of football is low you might feel like you can jump out the first row and boss that midfield what do you find um it like supporting a club like that well I can assure you it's not as glamorous as supporting a Premier League team. I'm sure. You know, I'm signing sure. part-time players who sometimes miss matches because they've got to work in other jobs, literally, which has happened to us. It's just unthinkable for us fans of I know. Premier League clubs. It's unbelievable. But at the same time, there's something about supporting a club where all of the players seem like they could be your friends. And yeah. it's like... It sounds cliche, but it's like a working class football club where we've got, we had a player that was a teacher, our goalkeeper at the moment is a lorry driver. My word. It's literally just like these people, you could sit them, sit with them in the pub after a game. And there's something I like about that, being so close to the players. Yeah. It's a different dynamic, but certainly interesting. Yeah, and you hear a lot of like, you know, a lot of these Premier League clubs, they'll compare, oh, we only spent 50 million this transfer window. Whereas the financial troubles for someone who's a Stockport County fan, as we saw with Barry recently at the yeah. bottom of the football leagues is not you're not spending 80 million on a central midfielder you're about to go bust what's it like having that very real very palpable overhanging kind of looming problem of finance and just keeping your club alive 
So what you saw with Barry earlier this year is exactly what Stockport County went through about a decade ago. My goodness. And the financial system, was, our financial situation was so bad that we had to sell our ground. Uh, we went very close to liquidation. That's certainly not something that fans can even relate to if you support a Premier League team. No, no. Uh, and it's scary, but I think it does kind of show fans certainly of those clubs like Barry and Stockport County how important it is to go and support your team because literally every pound spent all of the money counts and it's authentic it's real supporting those clubs yeah. you know that your owner isn't a million miles away on a yacht like Roman Abramovich or the yeah. Glazers yeah yeah literally just obviously owners of these football clubs are well off but they can't financially back a club all the way is yeah. different. Yeah. Um, so on that, that feeds and realised, I want to give you an interesting one. Okay, I want to give you a hypothetical. I'm so interested to hear what you say here. Would you take being the next Man City? Would you take the trophies, the respect, the quality opposition that would come if a multi-billionaire owner like Sheikh Mansour or some of the ones you just mentioned came and bought Stockport County? Would you take that, the, the quality of opposition? Who knows, Messi might grace Edgley <laughs> Park. You never know. Would you take that whilst at the same time, if that happened, you'd have to deal with the kind of, con that you know, you just talked about the scarf my father wore. You'd get a lot of fake fans, fans that are just there for the wave, to ride the wave with you, players with egos. Mm. Sheikh Mansour comes along and Stockwell County's his next project. Would you take that? Well, first of all, it's really interesting that you ask that question because just after our home game on Saturday. For some reason, there was just an outbreak of talk about a financial takeover, and it's literally just come in the last <laughs> five or six days, and all of us are really excited. Get up, speak up, as topical as it gets. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, so... Um, would you take it? Would I take it? There's certainly some aspects oh. of it that I would really look forward no, to. Yes or no, would you take it? Oh, you put me on the spot here. Come on. Would I take a big financial takeover? Yes, I would. Ooh. Yes, I would take a big financial. Oh, I mean, tears were coming to listeners' eyes as you talked about <laughs> the scarf my father wore. He's just course. sold out, guys. No, just sold not out. sold out by any stretch. Okay, justify yourself. Go on. Um, so the last, prior to this season, the last six years, Stockport County have spent in the National League North, trekking into teams like North Ferriby United and <laughs> Nuneaton Borough. Uh, no offence to any fans of Nuneaton Borough. <laughs> there will be no fans no. of Nuneaton Borough, so listen to this podcast, I promise you. I feel like Stockport County deserve to be back in the big leagues. How nice it would feel to be playing literally professional football at the moment. We're still not at a level where we're going to professional grounds. Yeah. So that's something that I can literally only dream of for the next year or so. But would you not feel a way about the fact that it's all just come from a billionaire's pocket and it's not um, conducive to the kind of working class model of the club that you just wax lyrical about? It's not conducive to that at all, I agree. But when I listen to older City fans speak, Man City fans, yeah. who were still supporting the club in the 70s and 80s and seeing them get relegated, I don't think any of that any of the new fans can take away through take away from what they're going through now and the joy they're getting from winning Premier Leagues because they were there in the rough times and that's how I feel about Stockport I yeah. because I followed the team when we were in the National League North I'd certainly love to see us in even the championship would be 
unbelievable right um no no that makes sense i i feel you on that um okay fair enough fair enough you did you did well to justify <laughs> that um now i do want to bring in a bit of nfl here and a bit of comparison to american sports and see as a lower league fan what you think about this the English league football leagues model to the NFL model because the NFL model there's um, it's all geared towards parity whereby every franchise eventually gets their time and eventually gets their time of winning and every franchise eventually gets their time of losing and it's it's so like in a way the, the worst record from the regular season have the top draft picks the next year yeah there's no promotion no relegation every single owner is rich so there's a 200 million salary cap on each franchise every year. It's approximately 200 million. It dips you know, above and below, but it's about 200 million. Which means that the stars of the league are spread out across all 32 teams. All 32 teams have quality players, maybe apart from the Miami Dolphins right now, but <laughs> yeah, that's another conversation. The whole league is geared towards parity, and anyone can win it because everyone has stars. Um, but there are less teams, there are only 32 uh, franchises in the whole country, whereas in the English league, there's promotion, there's relegation, but not everyone can win it, because the best teams just stack up with all the best players, so that you get what you have right now, which is Man City and Liverpool being on another planet to everyone else. And it doesn't create that same excitement when there's only two teams in the running. Um, so what do you think, as a lower leagues fan, um, about that American model having less teams, so only 32 teams in in the whole country, um, but every single team and therefore every single American football fan eventually um, coming to a time where they could push for a Super Bowl. Stockport County, I mean, unless we get this shake man's third side takeover, <laughs> will never be contending for the Premier League. No. They'll never be contending for the Premier League. Um, whereas in the American model, that would be more in the realms of possibility. So what do you think as a lower leagues fan? Is it fine? Are you happy enough just kind of having your expectations set based off where Stockport are? Or would you rather maybe supporting a, um, a team which could have the chance of winning it all in the sense that there was no promotion relegation, you just got like the best young, the best under 21 player in the country went to Stockport if you had the worst record in English football. Compare the models, what do you think? Um, so yeah, the dynamic's completely different because in England, professional football anyway, we've got 92 teams. Yeah, so yeah I know. Yes. It could never be that there'll be a different team always that's going to be successful. You know, at the moment, success is concentrated in City and Liverpool yeah. and for the next few years at least it doesn't look like it's going to change. As for being a Stockport fan, it's unreasonable to believe that we're going to win the Premier League anytime soon. Yeah. But there's something about promotions and relegations. Stockport won the league on the last day of the season last year. Seeds. Absolutely. Uh, literally, when it comes to football, that was probably the best day of my life. It's the first time I've ever seen us get promoted whilst being there. Yeah. And yeah, one of the best days of my life in football. And I just, you can't have, unless you win the Super Bowl, I don't feel like you can have a feeling like that if you're following the NFL. No, it's an excellent point. It's an, it's an all or nothing situation. But the only thing I'll say to that is it does bring out a lot of drama. A lot of kind of like, you have the 
hugest, most incredibly big moment because NFL playoff games are one game. Yeah. It's on that day. Um, so you get massive, massive moments. Um, and I, I just think there's something about... that. I, I agree, and generally, if I had to weigh it up, I prefer the English system. But the only thing I'll say is your expectations of what you expect as a Stockport County fan are pinned to where your club are right now. Whereas in a system where there's just one league, like there's just one National Football League, and it's all geared towards parity, you get it so that every single fan base and every single franchise is aiming to win the Super Bowl. That's the sole aim of every franchise. Whereas in our system, what you get is Leicester aiming for top six. Arsenal and United aiming for top four. Liverpool and City aiming for this... um, Burnley and Sheffield and etc. Aiming for although Sheffield doing really well this season, but you know aiming just to stay in the Premier League, and you get all these segmented kind of expectations and hopes for every team. And I think there's something kind of nice in the competition of everyone shooting for the same prize. You know what I mean? There's a bit of that in the NFL which misses. Obviously, neither system's going to have it all. But there's something to be said about everyone fighting for that one Lombardi trophy versus, you know, one team being happy with 10th and one team being happy with, you know, considering what we've got, 10th is good. You know what I mean? That kind of dilutes a bit of the the across-the-country competition. You know what I mean? I feel like that's what the FA tried to achieve with the FA Cup. I know it's not a league system. Yeah, they do, yeah. And it's definitely, I don't think it's as competitive amongst all of the teams that are in it anymore but in the sense that we're every team every team in England is still trying to win the same one trophy but you're right in a league system where every one of the 32 teams will get their chance is it's an interesting it's, inter- it's an interesting comparison isn't it I don't know I'd love to know what some listeners think about um, I'll maybe put the tweet out on the Twitter following at Marley G-U-S-U I might tweet out the kind of like a, maybe a Twitter poll and what people think about that because it is a really interesting um, conversation and um, talking of parity and that model compared to the English League I want to touch on Pep Guardiola because this is something I need to talk about in the podcast You don't seem that happy that you've won More than you believe More than you believe I'm happy You aren't showing it I'm so happy, believe me I'm so happy, Happy New Year As a United fan and I don't know, maybe a mild cynic I am not as big a fan of Pep Guardiola as everyone um, seems to be. I think he there's a degree of people overrating him. Um, and before I kind of go into my soliloquy on what I think, what do you think about Pep Guardiola? I'm interested. Uh, well, being a fan of Stockport, I feel like I can appreciate a higher <laughs> level of football. Uh, so... I did watch lots of Barcelona when they were in their I mean, golden who era. Didn't? Broke my heart twice in the Champions League final. 2009-2011, I remember them. Probably. Yeah, yeah, thanks. <laughs> I think Guardiola is, in terms of the football that he makes his teams play, yeah, the best manager I've ever seen. In terms of yielding success from those teams, somewhat underwhelming because, mm. given the teams that he has managed. He should have more league titles. I believe he should have more Premier League trophies. 
but the impact maybe not Premier League trophies mm. he only missed the first year yeah, to be fair a, but first year was poor I think he finished fourth yeah third, he finished third and he was nowhere near the title yeah. race it was Chelsea by a long shot but since then he broke the Premier League goals record and the points record I believe oh yeah so, well yeah probably did yeah and when it comes to and goal difference record as well yeah when it comes to revolutionising football literally since 2008 I find it quite hard to argue against the fact that he's I'm sure you'll try, but I against the fact that he's the best manager that I've seen. Okay, fair enough. Well, look, I just want to make a point about when you call someone overrated, I think it's important to define what you mean because mm. it's often conflated when people call someone overrated compared to saying they're not very good. My argument isn't that Pep Guardiola is not very good, but when you're assessing whether someone's overrated, you're looking at how are they spoken about and how are they ranked amongst their contemporaries and is how they're spoken about and how they're ranked perhaps an inflated depiction based off the evidence and based off the evidence look Pep Guardiola um, every single time he's looked all worldly his teams have just been supreme he's had the odds massively stacked in his favour that Barcelona team talent wise is maybe it's up there with the greatest of all time. Yeah. Messi in his prime, Xavi, Iniesta, Busquets, PK in his prime. I mean, I'm not even a Danny Alves. I mean, Jordi, <laughs> I mean, it's just crazy, that team. And then Sheikh Mansour has invested over 500 million since he's come to the club at City. And those are the two clubs, Barcelona, that 2010 Barcelona side, and the players of that generation at the New Camp, and the current Manchester City side are the two that he's been so supremely dominant and incredible with and lapped up all this praise. But if you wanted to look at a time where he perhaps didn't reach these dizzy heights, you look at his time at Bayern Munich when, yeah, he delivered the Bundesliga and domestic cups. But all, come on, all Bayern Munich managers yeah. <laughs> delivered domestic cups and the Bundesliga. He consistently fell short in the Champions League semi-final three years in a row, couldn't get it done. And it was at Bayern Munich when it was more of a level playing field. He didn't have the odds massively stacked in his favour. And there, there when he had the same resources as his contemporaries, he didn't outperform his contemporaries, i.e. other Bayern Munich managers of this generation. Um, I don't see him as being that much exponentially better than Poch, uh, Conte, Antonio Conte, I think he's a massively underrated manager, or Klopp. Surely those three in particular are doing more with less. It's not so worldly and obscene that off the back of never-before-seen investments, there would be never-before-seen results. That's my opinion on him. I don't see him. He's a good manager. He's done very well with what he's had. But what he's had, Sonny, <laughs> what he's had has been unreal. I understand. I'd like to kind of pose two kinds of not really questions but I'd like yeah, of course, think about two things one is the impact that Pep's football had on Spain which became probably the greatest international side definitely that we've ever seen excellent point and then I'd like yeah a question when you watch Pep's football mm -hmm. so either at Barca or how you see City play in the last two or three seasons mm -hmm. notice you didn't say Bayern Munich there but not Bayern Munich uh you're right, I do think Bayern, to an extent, the football they played was different to the football they're playing now, for example, and Pep has still left a legacy at Barca. Do you see that as different and more impressive to the football you see played by Poch's side or Conte's teams? Or 
Um, and is it more impressive? To I your mean, uh, isn't I mean, surely that's uh, that's a bit more horses for courses for me. My, yeah. I mean, personally, it makes me sick to my stomach to say it as a United fan. But I love Klopp's high press, the yeah. kind of strangling teams, suffocating them. You've seen them with so many late winners this season. It's because teams can't breathe anymore. I mean, they're just getting killed. Fullbacks really high. Um, uh, they play with wide forwards, uh, Salah and Mane with Firmino in behind. I really like that system. I like the idea that the number nine can slot into midfield and the, the guys outside him push yeah. further forward. I think that's really intuitive forward thinking and different. And um, Pep, Pep Guardiola's team is uh, style sorry is completely dependent on him having the better individuals. And when he didn't have exponentially better individuals, he didn't yield exponentially better results. At Bayern Munich, he lived up to the exact same as all his other contemporaries, almost getting it done in the Champions League and getting it done in the Bundesliga and the domestic cups. And in fact, his predecessor, I can't remember his name, but the German manager with silver hair went back to them recently. He won the treble. He did get them all the way in the Champions League and then Pep Guardiola didn't. <laughs> so, I don't know. That's my opinion. Um, I completely see where you and other Pep fans are coming from. Um, but I don't know. I just don't see how he's necessarily done more with less than other managers because when he's reached the heights, he's always been the odds-on favourite, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, um, Pep Guardiola definitely coached some special teams. Um, Steve Kerr, the Golden State Warriors coach, has also coached some special teams through that Warriors dynasty. Not so special now. Big, big problems in Golden State. An absolutely shocking start to the season. Yes, I really don't give a damn about what we can build on. We suck tonight and we got to get better overall. And that's just what it is. And I've got a good one for you. So after they lost KD and Iguodala, yeah. their, their finals MVPs from the three, KD got it twice and Iggy got it the first time in 2015. Their two finals MVPs, they lost those. KD went to the Nets and um, Iggy went to the Grizzlies. Um, they then have had injuries to Clay out for the season, Draymond, D'Angelo Russell, the guy they got from the Nets, and um, Steph recently is yeah. out for three months. And this was their starting five the other night. <laughs> from the Hamptons five to this. Kai Bowman... Jordan Poole, Glenn Robinson III, Eric Pascal, and Willie Cooley-Stein. I am a massive NBA fan. I have <laughs> never heard of any of those guys. What is happening in uh, the Bay Area and what should they do? It's just a far cry from the team that went, what was it, 73-9. and 73-9, and nine, Sonny. And now I believe... At the time we were recording it, they're one and three. I think they're one and three. So yeah. they've already lost a third of the games that they lost <laughs> four seasons ago. Um, on what they should do, I don't have an answer because they're in a horrible, horrible predicament. Mm. But I must say, I'm enjoying it. Oh, I'm loving it. Unbelievably. Oh, I'm loving it. Yeah, seeing what it. they did to. Seeing what they did for about four years where they just walked it apart from that one Stacked time when up, they everyone taking lead. pay cuts and even boogie cousins coming yeah. on a pay cut steph curry being underpaid for so many years clay not being paid to acquire that insane team 
I am enjoy- I am enjoying seeing them struggle. It's like the Golden State sold their soul to the devil for about three or four years and just won all, <laughs> all they could whilst they could. Yeah. But now that time period's over. So now this links quite nicely into the conversation we were talking about before in terms of the parity model versus the English League's model. Should the Golden State Warriors tank? And just to you know explain a bit more about that, um, again, similarly to the NFL, in the NBA, the lowest teams have a kind of a, it's more of a lottery than the NFL, but you still get higher draft picks the next season. So there's an incentive to tank. Obviously, in the English leagues, there's no incentive to tank. You just get relegated. Um, should the Golden State Warriors tank, i.e. throw away this season, play these guys like Kai Bowman and <laughs> Willie Cauley-Stein, these guys off the never heard of before in my life, um, should they play those guys, tank this season, and then get a high draft pick next season and go again where they could get Giannis in free agency? Or should they, you know, they've just moved into a new stadium which is selling expensive tickets. Should they do their best to give the fans what they want and fight for every single game this season? What do you think? Uh, First of all, I think it's far too early to be thinking about tanking. Just because Steph's back in three months. Three months? Three months is ages. It's ages, but that gives you, what, four months left of the regular season to play well and not finish in the bottom three, the bottom three spots, which are really the ones that are going to give you the greater percentage chance That's of a good getting point. a good, good draft pick. And on tanking, as a supporter, as a fan, it boggles my mind, because I'm a fan of football first and foremost, mm. that I would ever pay to go and watch my team and they would intentionally throw away a match. Oh, so you're anti-tanking big time? I'm I'm big time anti-tanking because it wouldn't make sense in football. But oh, yeah, no, I mean in terms of in American sports. It's not nice to see now. I don't like it. I so, understand so what do you, so what do you make... say to this then? The 76ers were perpetually mediocre, really struggling, the Philly 76ers, and they tanked, and it was called famously The Process. Joel, The Process, Embiid. Yeah, you yeah. know all that? And, they, and they've now acquired Ben Simmons. Marco Fultz was a complete bust, but Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, and they are the real deal. Odds on Vegas. Vegas has them coming out of the East this season, and they should, all being well, make the NBA Finals. So they tanked for two, three years, and it got them out of a position of mediocrity into now being the favourites to come out of the East. Um, there's an example of where if they perhaps had kept fighting, like you said, they would still be in a similar position right now, whereas um, right now they're really stacked and they're in a really um, encouraging position this season. What do you say to the 76ers fans who are now loving it, but they might have had to go through two or three years of just watching nonsense, terrible players just throw away games, but now... They are where they are. And do you maybe think that the benefits that the 76ers have got from doing that is a critique of this parity model? I think if the 76ers go all of the way mm. and they somehow win the finals at the end of this year, yeah. then 76ers fans will be the biggest advocates of tanking oh, ever. Oh, yeah, of course. But imagine if Simmons and Embiid take the 76ers to the playoffs and they somehow underwhelm mm. and get beat in the second round and then you've gone through three years of mediocrity and watching your team throw away matches on purpose just to have an underwhelming performance and I think another thing should be said for kind of fan culture in America where it's not uncommon for fans or supporters to follow their players to their teams so 
That's a good point. For example, like if LeBron moved to a different team, lots of his fans would go and support him to wherever he Oh moved. my gosh, yeah. Whereas, I mean, the Cleveland fan base halved after literally. he went to the Lakers, probably. That's not an official stat. Just say it for the record. That's <laughs> Roughly. Just, uh, yeah. <laughs> Whereas if Manchester United's best player, well, if Pogba left to Madrid, you're not going to support Madrid. That would be... No, that would be... That's just not even... That's not even... Yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. Um, but yeah, I just think sometimes you have to just accept the game you're in yeah. The rules of the game, you know, don't hate the player, hate it's the true. game. The NBA have its systems, and I would maybe advocate the Warriors tanking because they're they're going no. I mean, they are going. How nowhere. bad do you think it will be this year? I mean, they're not going to make the playoffs. The West is absolutely stacked. stacked. I mean, the two teams in LA, Utah, are going to be a juggernaut in the regular season. Yeah. Not to mention the Rockets. Not to mention the Mavs with Porzingis <laughs> balling. Not to talk about Luca. Also, the Nuggets who were really good last year. I mean, the West is stacked, and the the Warriors, after dominating for so long, um, are going to be high and dry this year. So they're not going to make the <coughs> they're not going to make the regular season. And, and I'm an advocate of hey, play the game. Why not get a draft pick, a high draft pick to accompany maybe Giannis with Steph and Clay next year, and then they go again. So you know, we'll see. We'll see how that pans out. Okay, just to go back to football, um, we're gonna end up. We're gonna end the podcast with just a quick run through of the top six in the Premier League. Just a quick kind of run through of where they are right now and what to expect going forward. Lots of um, um, football fans listen to the podcast, so we're just gonna run through the top six. Well, the so-called top six, not the current top six, but the so-called <laughs> top six. Uh, each one. So we'll start with Liverpool. Damn Liverpool, <laughs> with their lucky, lucky last-minute winners. Um, couple stats for you here no one has got more goals or gained more points in the last 10 minutes of Premier League um, games this season is that the sign of a champion it is and I took note of you saying lucky lucky late winners and it's kind of the idea of how many times does it have to happen before it's not luck. Oh, you're killing me on my own arguments here. So that's, that's what I used to say to all the salty people about Man United. Of course it's not lucky. <laughs> it, it it's because they be suffocate anymore. Because they like you said them. earlier, if you're high-pressing teams for 75 minutes, midfielders at the end of the game are just... Whether it's... Can't track back anymore. Mental fatigue from being pressed and not being able to find a pass. Mm. By the end of the game, Liverpool are being encouraged. The second half against Villa, the goals looked like they were coming. Even in the 80th minute, I didn't think they were going to lose the game. It's crazy, isn't it? Do I see them going all the way? More and more each week. So yeah. A few weeks ago, I still would have backed City. I think Liverpool are one or two injuries away from having a, a bad second half to season. But those injuries hit City instead and so Liverpool look like mm. could be the real deal this year yeah Liverpool are rolling um, what about Man City I mean we talked about Pep Guardiola's style before uh, just to throw some numbers at you this season they've got the most passes in the Premier League with 7,132 and most touches with 9,250 it's that serene possession game isn't it squeezing teams in a slightly different way um, and you just saw how they did that to Southampton Yeah, uh, looking like a two horse race um, which horse are you backing? You gonna go with? Gonna go with Liverpool? Uh, I'm going to go with Liverpool, and I feel like part of that is Pep's centre back issue is a real problem. Yeah, and I don't feel like it's something where excuses can be made because he spent money on Stones, he spent money on Laporte, he both got injured. Yeah, 
and then he showed some sort of stubbornness to play Fernandinho at centre back instead mm. of trusting youth players, and that's what I'd like to see. With I'm sure we'll get onto Chelsea later. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I don't like the idea of Fernandinho playing centre back, so I'm going back. <laughs> I'm going back Liverpool. I'm going to back City because um, of um, the strength and the depth of their squad. I mean, it's easy to forget Sane out for the season, yeah. Laporte out for a long period of time. Mendy just never seems to be able to get himself fit. Yeah. They are just so deep in resources. Um, their squad depth is incredible, and you just feel like Liverpool are much more skinny <coughs> than Liverpool it's are true. in terms of their squad. Uh, but yeah, you know, we'll see how that uh, title race pans out. Moving on to Chelsea, um, all the talk was about United's young English players this season, going into the season, but it's Chelsea's that is looking much healthier. How about Tammy Abraham? I mean, this guy, nine goals this season in the Premier League, which is the same as Aguero, more than Aubameyang, more than Sterling, more than Kane, more than Mane, more than Salah. Yeah. Tammy Tammy. <laughs> super, super Tammy. I mean, I didn't see that one coming. I didn't rate him before the season. Got him in my fantasy now. I mean, <laughs> what, how far and uh, how well can this young Chelsea side do? I mean, I think Jamie Vardy's the only player with more goals than That's right. Tammy at the yeah, moment. He's got is... 10, Tammy's got 9. And Chelsea's young players are good, and I'd never take that away from them. Yeah. I mean, for years, Chelsea's youth teams have been doing it. I think they won five FA Youth Cups in a row. So mm. it's about time that they've come through. Yeah. They are really benefiting from Lampard coming in with an actual footballing identity with free flowing yeah, he's done very well. progressive forward football and it's really nice to see from Chelsea. Yeah. How far can they go? Uh because Arsenal and Tottenham and United are in a terrible place at the moment. Shocking. Lampard's gonna take that Chelsea team into the top four, I'm I'm sure of it. But they're still some way behind Liverpool and City. They really are running away with yeah in their own pack, really. Yeah, they're in their own pack. Chelsea seem to be the next best next best. Yeah, horse, I'd say Chelsea but, leading um, the, the chasing yeah. pack. Um, was it Jose Mourinho said something about a little horse a li- needing little milk horse and all that kind milk. of stuff? Well, we'll see how they do. Um, <laughs> see what kind of milk Lampard can provide. Oh, that was an ugly <laughs> sentence. Um, okay, moving on to Arsenal. Um, and now, that is that is uh, an interesting conversation. A lot of Arsenal listeners on the podcast. Um, Unai Emery, dividing opinion. Is he really taking them forward? Now, I've got a couple of really interesting stats here. Um, Arsenal, in the last two seasons, as in this current season, so, yeah. so the two Emery seasons, have a worse clean sheets per game record than they did in Wenger's last two seasons. And Wenger's last two seasons were abysmal were defensively. I mean, they were shocking. Worse. Both years under Emery. Um, and on top of that, there's this question about whether Emery can control his players. Well, the numbers do um, support that a little bit. Arsenal have the worst disciplinary record in the Premier League this season with 26 yellows and one red. We obviously saw that clownish ridiculous Xhaka incident which was just embarrassing Unbelievable. Um, can Emery control his players that's twice now his last two captains Koscielny doing some kind of weird <laughs> um, magic mic impression when he got, <laughs> when he got to uh, when he got to Rennes and now uh, Xhaka uh, cupping his ears to the Arsenal fan um, the Arsenal fans can Emery control his players I think it was more than that with Xhaka I think the disrespect of 
throwing the armband at Bamiyang, looking like he was swearing towards fans and then heading straight down the tunnel. That isn't, there were many issues under Wenger, but discipline was never one of them. That's a good point. But Everyone really respected Wenger. They had to. He'd, he'd been there for so many years that he was, he had authority at the club. My issue with Emery at Arsenal is they're not looking great, but can they bring in the calibre of manager they need to fix the exactly. situation they're in at the moment? Who do you bring in? I mean, who? I mean, Allegri doesn't have a job right now. Have you seen the rumours about Mourinho? <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine after all these years of him and Arsenal just locked, butting heads, Jose Mourinho? I, I just can't imagine that. I just honestly can't imagine. How do you think he would do? Would he sort them out? Um... Um, no, I, I can't. I can't see Mourinho as a fit of the Emirates. I just can't see that. I don't think that he is conducive to what makes. I, I, I just don't think that after how it ended at United and the way he was towards Arsenal fans when he was at Chelsea. I mean, yeah. what did he say? Specialist in failure yes, to, to Arsenal's great seven. I mean, are you kidding me? And then beat him six 0 I can't. <laughs> I can't see that working. Um, I'd love to know what Arsenal fans think about that. Um, but no, I, I can't see Mourinho at Arsenal. Um, moving on to the other club in North London, Tottenham. I mean, what is going on at Tottenham? <laughs> Um, just to throw a stat at you about Tottenham, they have lost the ball more times than any other team this season with 125 dispossessions. Last season, making it to the Champions League final, they were rolling. Why is Poch's system so out of sync? That Champions League final really was a time of now or never for them, wasn't it? Because yeah. the situation they're in now, I mean, the league position and their form is bad, but their contract situation and keeping players mm. at the club for next season, yeah, it could, unless they sort this out it could be a really negative spiral they could lose Poch yeah um, they, could, they could fire Poch they could fire Poch, Poch. Fire. Ericsson Vertonghen Ardeverald all look all like out. they're leaving. Yeah, they're all out of contract this year and they've just moved into a brand new stadium and it could be their first season in years without Champions League football it is not looking good at White Lane. when a team moves into a new stadium, Arsenal spring to mind, they go through a period of just not spending big money. Yeah. And if Tottenham decide or are forced to go down that route, yeah. it could be I mean, I would say years. they could have a similar fall to Arsenal, but they were never at the heights not quite. that Arsenal were at anyway. So, and then we move on to Man United. And what a dismal state of affairs. I mean, the numbers do not look good. The football does not look good. 13 goals in 11 games, that's not very good. Um, 13... Um, points from those 11 games that's not very good only Bournemouth have made less tackles still enough to beat them on the weekend us sorry yeah. to beat us on the weekend <laughs> um, only Bournemouth have made less tackles and we just mentioned that stat about Spurs guess who's next on that list Man United with 123 dispossessions so we can't even get it done on either side of the ball um, this whole thing of setting us up for the counter-attack has not been a very smart philosophy because when you're Man United, most teams are going to put men behind the ball against yeah. you. So it's not conducive to success um, to have a, a, like the whole system set up for the counter-attack when you're not going to have space in behind against the majority of your opponents. Um, yeah, you can have a great draw against Liverpool, but if you lose to Newcastle and you lose to Palace and you lose to Bournemouth and you lose to these guys, because they put men behind the ball and you don't have the players to unpick the lock, 
you're going to struggle. You will. I think the solution for United would be playing Chelsea every week because you <laughs> seem to turn up against them. Yeah. It is like in the big games, you do turn up. You played well. I'd say you played well against Liverpool. Yeah. Both games against Chelsea. First game against Chelsea, you looked good going forward anyway. Yeah. Although I don't think Ole's the best man for the Man United job. Yeah. The players that he's got at his disposal are nowhere near what we talk about when we talk about Pep and Klopp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even when we're not looking at the depth that City have, the starting eleven, if you combine Cities and United, maybe maybe Pogba gets in. Mm. I don't think anyone else does. Yeah, and it's interesting you say about how um, it seems to be against the big teams like Chelsea and that that we do well. If only we had a striker who scores a lot of goals against weaker teams. Like, I don't know, someone yeah. like Romelu Lukaku. Someone Maybe like someone him. like him. It's not like be, he's doing it every I week know, in Italy. I know, it'd be great if we could manage to get our hands on someone <laughs> like Romelu Lukaku. That would be amazing. Um, well, on that miserable note for United <laughs> fans, that uh, wraps up the podcast. What a great podcast. That's been great. Um, Sally, thanks so much for coming on, man. Thank you for having uh, me. No, of course. Um, and... Listen out for more Get Up Speak Up episodes um, coming soon. Uh, in the meantime, remember to follow at MarleyGUSU on Twitter for content around the podcast as well as unique stats and insight. I've started this thing called Get Up Stat Up where um, every day I post a topical revealing stat on football, basketball or American football. So definitely check out at MarleyGUSU on Twitter and see you next time on Get Up Speak Up.